NASCAR fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Our guest on today's episode is the man in charge of both IndyCar and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's Penske Entertainment CEO, Mark Miles. It was a season filled with highlights and continued momentum for the NTT IndyCar Series. It's up to Miles and his staff to continue that momentum heading into 2023 as IndyCar continues to build toward the future. The off-season is when much of the planning for 2023 takes place, and Miles brings us up to speed in this exclusive Pit Pass Indy interview. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy is the boss, Penske Entertainment CEO, Mark Miles. Mark, we're just a day or two away from Thanksgiving. What do you see as one of the major things that IndyCar has to be thankful for heading into this holiday? Well, we're thankful for a really good year in 2022, and we're um, really, really positive about the year in front of us. I, I know that even before we get through the end of this calendar year, we'll have some announcements about kind of the commercial aspects of the business that we think are really exciting, and we're looking forward to rolling them out. Now, one of the things that you pointed out, IndyCar did have a pretty good year in 2022. You've had a chance to go over all the metrics. What are some of the metrics that you would like to point out to display that improvement? Well, all the the fan engagement metrics are positive. That includes linear television, big increases in streaming on Peacock. It's all of our social and digital uh, audience levels metrics. Really, everything uh, with respect to our media and our viewership and our engagement with our media is uh, is up. So that's not something we take for granted. We'd like it to be further up, faster, and we'll, we're going to work really hard next year to make that make that the case. We also, um, you know, think that it was a great year on the track, great racing, so many storylines that you've covered and, every, and, and our fans have followed throughout the year that. Um, that's the sport, and we we it all starts with the sport, as I think I've said to you before. So we don't take that for granted. We're very grateful for that as well. It also seems that looking ahead to 2023, a lot of teams were making their plans and tying things up much earlier than in the past. It wasn't that many years ago that uh, entering the week of Thanksgiving, we might have 18 car driver combinations already sorted out, and we'd be sweating it out till February to get the others completed. Last week, Stefan Wilson had his deal already announced with Dreyer and Reinbold Racing. This past year, that didn't get settled until probably the end of April, beginning of May. So what does that explain about how much sooner it is that a lot of these car-driver combinations, especially for the Indianapolis 500, are getting settled in November rather than waiting until March, April, May? I, I think it's a couple things. Fundamentally, there's a great value 
in being an IndyCar team and, and participating in IndyCar racing. So the cost versus the benefits compared to other options, I think, stack up really, really positively. And that's the, the first condition. The second is that, um, you know, there are going to be a limit to the number of cars and engines that can, that can be available. And with increasing demand among teams, um, I think the, the, the best organized teams want to make sure they've locked down uh, their ability to participate. And so things have been expedited and, um, you know, I, it's, I think it's all very positive indications of the, the value proposition of the sport for teams and, and the growth of the sport. Now, how do you explain to the fans why it's never going to be like it was back in the day when people could build their own Indy car back in their garage if they wanted to, that a lot of the car driver combinations are determined by how much workload Chevrolet and Honda can do building the engines. It's a finite number of engines that their workforce can really take care of and supply. So in a lot of ways, 36 cars was probably the high that we had back in 2019. Why it's unrealistic to ever expect many more than that with a two OEM competition like we have right now. Well, I think you, you, you said it. You kind of answered your own question by saying the rate limiting factor is what's possible for our two great OEM Chevy and Honda. So that can that can change if and when we can uh, get to adding a third OEM. Uh, but for now, I think that there are practical limits, and you know, there's so much involved for running engine programs for the whole series throughout the year, and and then spiking up for May. And uh, you know, we are kind of at our practical limit for now at something like that 2019 number. David Wilson of TRD, Toyota Research and Development, said at the NASCAR weekend at Las Vegas that possibility of an IndyCar engine that he told IndyCar, not now, but not no. So what do you take from that description? It seems like they're still thinking about it, but maybe not in the next couple of seasons. Well, I won't put a date on it. I think what we take from the comment is that a lot of work had been done. They'd look closely at it, and I think they see the attractiveness of IndyCar but they've got to look at, at all the considerations that they have and, and reach their own conclusions about what investments to make when. We, we were not, I mean, you know, we'd like to have had in, uh, Toyota join us, um, but we're not discouraged. The, uh, the depth of the discussion and the uh, way they applied themselves to the analysis was, was serious. And, and I think uh, the comment you're quoting says that they see some value. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, is will there be a point in time when they can pull the trigger? Do you think a lot of that also has to do with the fact that you're going to be basically using the same engine formula in 2023 that you've used the last couple of years? It won't be till 2024 that the new engine with hybrid assist technology rolls out, and it might be more of a wait-and-see situation for some of the potential OEMs? It could be. You know, the, the, the various companies that we've talked to have their own uh, ideas about technology and what, what they want to be associated with and what they, what they can competently provide. So it maybe it's wait-and-see, but it could. There, there's probably other factors related to Toyota, the automobile industry and Toyota's overall situation that have even more to say about the timing than that. But from the good standpoint, you pretty much have Chevrolet and Honda locked in through the end of this decade. The, yes, that's that's right. And they're great partners. And, um, 
you know, they're hard-nosed competitors, but they also have shown their willingness to work together to improve the series. So, uh, look, it all gets down eventually to the quality of the racing and the value proposition for teams. And we think through our partnerships with Honda and Chevy and Delar and our other suppliers, we're in a really good place for now. And uh, eventually we'll map out uh, what the longer-term future uh, may look like. Another thing that a lot of fans seem to talk about is they all act like you can just build a new car for cheap. And you know that, and I know that, that that's not true. They always want to know when's IndyCar going to announce a new car. Well, right now you've got close to 28 car starting fields. And if you rolled out a new car anytime the next couple of seasons, that first year or even second year, that number would probably drop substantially. So how do you explain to the fan why building a new car for the cost that it would take for these teams to do it is not necessarily what IndyCar is going to do? Well, I think it's more than just cost, but certainly it's expensive. And expensive for IndyCar and I'm sure for the teams as well. It's also risk. You come out with a new car, in a situ- at a time when we have tremendous racing and great durability. And, you know, we saw it with the aero kits. You can't assume that you don't have glitches and they can be meaningful. So there's risk associated with major change. We- we've demonstrated we'll take risks, measured risks, but that has to be taken into account. And then there's the whole conversation about what the manufacturers want and what would be attractive to an additional manufacturer. So all those things have to be taken into account and and we're working hard right now on introducing the hybrid so that's an important development that we've got to deliver on uh, i think before we can realistically look at what the next uh what the next car looks like also when you saddle a team owner with new engine and new cars in the same season that's almost a gargantuan ask isn't it yeah again both in terms of uh, cost investment and and risk so I, I think we've had a great track record over the last many years of delivering great racing and I think folks will uh, appreciate the racing and they'll and I, I know that many want to see change in in the car but um, we have to make good decisions based on all the dynamics that are in front of us Last week, Hy-Vee announced their entertainment lineup for the Hy-Vee IndyCar Weekend in July. And once again, four of the biggest acts in entertainment and musical entertainment are going to perform. It's arguable that this next year's lineup may be better than this year's lineup was. And this year's lineup was a blockbuster. When you see that and, and the, the role that a company like Hy-Vee has done in helping IndyCar promote, especially in Iowa, and also throughout the season with their sponsorship at Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing, just how valuable of a company has Hy-Vee become to getting the IndyCar message out? They're, they're a fantastic partner. They're a real leader, and they cause all aspects of IndyCar, I think, to, to uh, look at upping our game. So. We're just lucky to have them, and we appreciate working with them. They're quality people uh, in, in a growing business, and it, you've already pointed out in your question so many ways that they help, whether it's sponsorship of the car, the team, um, or really uh, being the partner to make the doubleheader in Iowa a success. And frankly, as as terrific as the talent was for the music in 2019, 
2022. There's no doubt that the lineup for 2023 is even more powerful. And so I, uh, they will, I think they'll put up more temporary seating and, and hospitality. And, you know, this is, this is an investment for growth. And I think it'll be, you know, we love the racing there. We love the history of the event and um, to see it happening in front of packed crowds is really exciting. Do you think it also gives the blueprint for how you make a race at an oval successful, how you sell tickets, how you're able to attract fans? The Indianapolis Motor Speedway has a little bit of that out of their playbook that they use on Carb Day and maybe other days throughout the month of May. But at Iowa, it really shows how other ovals, and also at Gateway, they've uh, had some highly successful crowds in the past, that that's an important way to show how you can draw a crowd at an oval that maybe a track such as Texas Motor Speedway might want to consider doing to increase their attendance. Well, it's an important part of uh, race weekend in Indianapolis. Um, you know, we have the Carb Day concert on Friday and the Legends Day concert with Country on Saturday and the Snake Pit on race day. So um, we believe in it. It certainly has worked here. I don't know that it's particularly better for ovals than it is for streets, street courses and road courses. I think it was a big part of Nashville's presentation uh, there for their temporary street circuit. But um, look, the promoters have to make their own decisions about what's the right formula. It's It's been a big part, really, maybe not with as quite as high profile uh, a talent, but it's been a big part of the Long Beach formula for a long time. So, you know, it's really how you entertain your crowd and your crowd's tastes. And, you know, it's growing. It being music is growing. And um, if that makes us more of a spectacle and brings more younger people out, more people in total, then, then it's, we're all for it. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. 
Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy. And now, here's the rest of my interview with Penske Entertainment CEO, Mark Miles. So IndyCar clearly has built some momentum. So how do you harvest that momentum and continue to grow? I think we uh, work very hard on additional initiatives that are new or expanded, especially related to building our audience and entertaining them and engaging them. So I think you can expect to hear some, uh, we'll put some meat on that bone, as I said, uh, before the end of the year. One of the things that you mentioned at the IndyCar Victory Lap when you honored 2022 NTT IndyCar Series champion Will Power was what you were going to do with what was then known as the Indy Light Series. It's now Indy Next without an E on the, the NXT. What are some of the exciting things that you have planned now that that is all under IndyCar's operation with a brand new name? Well, before you get to the marketing, I think for the for drivers around the world and, and team owners, uh, the proximity and the kind of integration between Indy Next and IndyCar at tracks is a really positive thing. These teams, their personnel, and their young drivers are, are learning what it means to be part of IndyCar as they as they see how IndyCar weekends work uh, at at their racetracks at our racetracks when they run. But I think more than that, we do want to move to um, experimenting in the marketing of Indy Next, and that could be uh, a different sort of edgier approach to social and digital media. It, it can be how it appears on Peacock. Um, and, and more. So we, we just think it gives us the latitude, um, as we can to, to look at innovations and test them. And I think the focus is on seeing what can be done to attract even younger audiences. Of course, there's been a lot made about Formula One's burgeoning popularity in the United States. Next year, there'll be three U.S. Grand Prix with the additional Las Vegas. A lot of people trace that back to the perfect storm of everybody being locked in during the pandemic and a show that came out, the docuseries Drive to Survive, that I captured a lot and created a lot of new Formula One fans. There's been pressure on IndyCar to come up with a similar type show, but is that a little bit of a gamble that sometimes what worked for one may not necessarily work for another? I don't think it's a gamble, and I think it's something that we've been working hard on and we'll probably have some news about before long. I don't think it's a gamble because it can only be positive, right? I mean, it, it may not, uh, a new unscripted series will, will attract the audience that it ends up attracting. But whatever audience it attracts is only accretive to the engagement of our fans and the possibilities, the opportunity to to uh, to attract more fans. So it's all upside as far as I'm concerned, and um, we're looking forward to to making some news in that regard before long. A stakeholder who has really come in over the last couple of years and shaken up the paddock to a large degree has been Zach Brown. Uh, Errol McLaren SP is probably arguably 
joined Team Penske and Chip Ganassi Racing as one of the power teams in the series. Andretti Autosport is trying to return to that level. They're building a new shop. Uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing is opening a new shop. But how do you describe the impact that Zach Brown and McLaren has had on getting the entire paddock to raise the bar? He's an investor. He has access to capital. He thinks is a disruptor, you know, and, and ahead. And uh, sometimes that's that that process is uh, off-putting to some. But all in all, I think. Uh, his his effect on IndyCar racing has been incredibly positive and will continue to be. So we'll see what's next. He's always got something up his sleeve, and uh, and we're glad he's part of the series. And when you say, when you look at Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, and Andretti Autosport, you just mentioned investing into the series. Go up to those new shops that they're building, especially the one on up in Zionsville that Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing will be opening here in a week or two. It's an incredible investment that they've made, and the drawing plans for the Andretti Autosport shop is also equally impressive. That's quite an investment for these guys to make into racing and IndyCar. And what are your thoughts on just seeing that impressive investment? I can't wait for people to actually be able to visit and to see him because the two the two uh, investments you're talking about for Andretti uh, and for Rail and, and then I think you mentioned uh, McLaren. They're phenomenal facilities. They're 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 gorgeous. They you know they're they're well designed, beautifully designed. They're employment hubs that bring to the central Indiana economy high paying jobs and attract people from around the world to to be here to work here. And uh, I think they're very very strong positives and indicators about the future of IndyCar. Of course, you work for Roger Penske and. A couple of weeks ago, he became the first man in racing history to win both the NTT IndyCar Series Championship and the NASCAR Cup Series Championship in the same season. And when you think that Penske Racing has been around since 1966, and this is the first year that's happened, it's there's not a lot that he has not accomplished, but yet this was something new. So what was your reaction to, to seeing him be able to get the two major prizes there are in North American racing. Well, at one level, it's an absolute affirmation of his philosophy about effort equaling equaling results. I mean, what he personally puts into it and what he gets out of his his people in all their businesses is, is truly remarkable. And it's the foundation for success and everything he does. His passion, of course, is, is uh, motorsports. And so... I guess a part of my a big part of my reaction was just being happy for him. Um, he's been at it a long time. He's tireless about it, and to uh, to win them both in a year is a really remarkable feat that he richly deserves. How much have you learned how to compartmentalize things working for him? Because he'll be IndyCar one day, and then Penske Corporation later in that day, and then NASCAR team owner the next day, and you know, off to a meeting in another continent later that day. Have you learned in your management style how to properly compartmentalize things? No, I don't really think that's been a uh, 
hallmark of our relationship and our working relationship in particular, because he can be in, you know, you may know about him being involved in any of the things you just mentioned, but he always seems to have the bandwidth to have the next conversation uh, about what we're working on. So I don't, I don't feel any distance, whether he's flying off to Europe to talk with Porsche or uh, focused on NASCAR. He's, He's always seems to have the availability, the interest, the bandwidth to engage with us and help us advance the ball. And generally, he's in on Fridays and the weekends to meet with the staff. Um, that was that he almost every weekend he was here during much of COVID. Since then, when travel was more feasible, you could get to Europe. You could, you know, you could go visit car dealerships and the rest of his operations, it's less true. So it still happens, but it could just as well be on a Monday or a Thursday. And it for sure happens by phone every day. And even though IndyCar is not going to have any new races on the schedule in 2023, you will have a new track, but it's at an old venue and that'll be on the streets of Detroit. So what do you see as that being able to energize the community even further with what was already a fairly successful race at, at Belle Isle? Now it's going to be downtown Detroit and how that's going to really engage the community even more. In many respects, I think that move will be the story of the schedule for 2023. I think it's going to be phenomenal. It, it is going to take the race in the Detroit community to a whole new level. And that, of course, is just uh, tremendously positive for IndyCar. Uh, I put it right up there with when we introduced Nashville a couple of years ago and with the big splash that was made in Iowa with Hy-Vee last year, continuing next year. Um, very big development for us. And people, people don't yet anticipate and envision uh, how important that'll be, but I think it's going to be really, really important to us. And finally, wrapping up with your television agreement with NBC, the fact that they're able to put you on the big NBC network for so many events, not only uh, paid off dividends with higher ratings in 2022, but also there's a lot of races on the big NBC in 2023. How valuable is that to get a return on investment for the stakeholders in IndyCar? It's really important. You know, we we want to be growing. We want to be growing, importantly. And um, to have that network exposure gets us in so many households and in, potentially in front of so many people that it's it's foundational for our growth. Um, and, and they're a good partner. You know, it's not just that we can say X number of races on network. It's also that we work really hard to make sure that they're scheduled at a time when we can optimize the audience, reduce conflicts with other motorsport series and other big sporting events so that uh, we have a better chance of growing the audience. And then, you know, we're, we're always working together to make the quality of the race presentation better and to, uh, and to do more together to promote uh, the fact that it's on NBC and make sure people know how to, how and when to tune, tune in. And in our final question with Mark Miles, CEO of Penske Entertainment, a lot of people seem to think that once the off-season comes, you guys can relax and maybe take things at a slower pace. But knowing you guys, it's the exact opposite. So how busy has it been 
this year during the off season. And, you know, like you had mentioned there, you're going to make some announcements here before the end of the year. How much are you gearing up for that right now? Well, we're redlined. Um, there's nobody here who feels like they're in an off season when, uh, uh, you know, where it's tantamount to taking any time off. It just shifts into planning and laying the foundation for the activities that will start rolling out in 2023. So, uh, it's, it's different, but it's at least as intense and it's really important to our future growth. Well, I know that you got a lot to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. Hopefully you get to take the whole day off and enjoy it with your family. Mark Miles, CEO, Penske Entertainment. Good luck in 2023. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy. Thanks, Bruce. My pleasure. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy. We want to thank our guest, Penske Entertainment CEO Mark Miles, for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.